0: Hey, welcome to Vine Church Fort Myers podcast. We are glad that you took time to listen. We pray that the message of grace empowers you today. We yield to you, Holy Spirit. You have the truth. The truth has the power to bring deliverance. If we know the truth, we'll be free and free indeed. Oh God, just change our minds, change our concepts. Let us have a metanoia, conversion, repentance. We want to be transformed by the power of your word. We are opening Jesus' name, everybody said, Amen. Now, let me settle the, the, the context, the soil here where we're going to walk together. Christianity, it's not a matter of religion. Now, I re- already emphasized that. In other words, it's not a matter of do and don'ts and this kind of ritualistic relationship that is empty of genuine um, inter exchange of. Uh, communication. No, Christianity is based on a right belief. You you rightly believe in God. You have the right concept. You have the right doctrine that supports your faith in a right way. And because you believe right, because you have the right truth, the right doctrine and teaching, this results in a right relationship with God. So yes, we always say that it's not about religion, but relationship, but this relationship can be stained and tarnished because you are not having the right doctrine, so you're not believing right, consequently your relationship with God is not in the right way, it's not in the right setting. So this relationship that God intended us to have with Him was meant to be a passionate, it was meant to be an intense relationship, something that really heats up our hearts that we have excitement with. And most uh, young people uh, and and some brothers in our church are struggling right now to keep that heat up, that fire in their hearts. It's because of summer. It it might be because of post-COVID consequence, whatever it is. Or because you gave yourself so much to binge online and watching all kind of trash online. I don't know what it is. But now you feel numb. Like it's just lukewarm. And we know that God doesn't like to lukewarm relationship. He hates lukewarm relationship. So he wants us back to the, the standard of relationship he called us to have with him in passion, in love, being love and replying and responding to this love. Now, before I jump into the content itself of the message, I have to establish some definitions here so you don't receive this message in a wrong uh, spirit of condemnation. Now the Bible speaks about two words very important that speaks about our identity. The number one is righteousness. Say righteousness. Now righteousness is a legal term that the Bible uses to uh, 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 identify us uh, in terms to stand rightly before God. So righteousness, to be just, to be righteous, it means that you have no blame, no. Uh, in, in voice open. There is no reason to relate with God with the sense of guilt. Now, you are innocent. You, you have no charges against you. Again, I'm not speaking this innocent or innocent in, uh, relating to naivety. Okay? Being just immature. No, I'm talking about you have nothing against you. On that day, you're going to be standing before the judge... And the judge, you're going to ask your advocate if there is any charges against you. And you're holy, righteous, perfect, your mediator, advocate, Jesus Christ. You're going to say, no, I paid it all. So there is no uh, uh, guilt on your uh, uh, spreadsheet, on your stake. Like you are clean. So the first step to enter in a right relationship with God. Is as you accept Christ Jesus, you also believe that his righteousness was given unto you. Now, the second concept is holiness. Holiness, different than righteousness, it is a progressive experience. You can grow in holiness. You can grow in consecration, in commitment. Holiness, it's not... The Catholic concept of being blameless and without sin. No. Holiness means set apart. You are dedicated to. You are for an exclusive use of something. Before, that cattle was in the field. But once the Hebrew decided to sacrifice that cattle to God, that bull bull now became holy to God. Became consecrated to God. Now it's important to understand this because God not only calls us to be righteous, he also calls us to be holy. Now that means that while righteousness does not accept progression and graduation or are you guilt, guilty or are you blameless? That's the patterns of righteousness. Holiness, in the other hand, accepts progression. You can be more committed you can be less committed. You can be more involved. You can be less involved. You can be holy or more holy. Second Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21, reminds us that our righteousness is the very righteousness of God. For our sake, he made him to be seen, who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Come on, somebody. First John 4, 17, by this love perfected with us. By this is love perfected with us, so that we may have confidence of the day of judgment. Because as he is, everybody say, as he is, so also are we in this world. So let me ask you this. Is Jesus righteous? Yes or no? Is Jesus holy? Yes or no? Amen. Now, let me ask you this. Are you righteous? Yes or no? Are you holy? Yes or no? There we go. So, th- that's the hard aspect to believe. Like, so as Jesus is, I am called to be in this world. Now, saying that, I'm not implying that I'm not going to have failures. You're not going to, you know, stumble. We might have some hiccups during the process, during the journey. But as precious stones, as diamonds, even though you might fall into the mud, into the dirt, the filth will not going to glue on you because you're so precious that any experience with the living waters will be able to wash you from all sin, clean you again. Now, saying that, I'm not encouraging sin here at all. I'm actually calling you to be back where God meant you to be. To, to actually stand in the identity God called you to have. You are called to have a heavenly dignity. Speaking to a young man, and he was just like very casually speaking about his datings. And he's a believer. And uh, after he spoke with me, I just said, "Why you are dealing Dating like everybody else in the world. Don't you know that you are called to holiness? Don't you know that you are called to be set apart? Different from everybody else in the world. Like you are not meant to be ordinary. Common. And speaking to him. and say, look. look, You came from heaven. You are going to heaven. This is supposed to be incompatible with you. He started to be convinced. But let me again set a little bit more concepts here in Exodus chapter 3, verse 5, is the first time the word holiness comes in our Bible. The Bible says that God, speaking to Moses, and manifesting his glorious presence in that burning bush, he told Moses, do not come near, take your sandals off your feet, for the place on which you are standing is holy ground. Now for 40 years Moses used to walk around that area and he saw dozens, maybe hundreds of bush, just ordinary common dry bushes. Okay? Just spread around. But for some reason that specific burning bush was different. Was set apart. And here's very clear why. Because the presence of God was upon that place. And the presence make that, that bush be holy, that place be holy. Which implies that holiness, different than righteousness, can be related to places, can be related to words, can be related to way, the way you dress, the way you deal with your business. Now, righteousness is something that places and things cannot become because righteousness implies. In a choice. But holiness, if the presence of God goes, the holiness of God goes together. So there are places, there are clothes, there are words that you as a holy one, called to be holy, are not meant to dress, go to, and speak as well. You're supposed to be different. Holiness essentially means categorized, set apart, dedicated for a specific use. 1 Corinthians 1, 2, and that's where I want to place you. Look, Paul is writing to one of the most problematic, if not wicked, and um, spiritually sick church. But he greets that church, saying, "To the church of God that is in Corinth, to those sanctified in Christ Jesus, say, I am sanctified in Christ Jesus." But not only that. Called to be saints, called to be holy. So, and that's the problem with our relationship with God. You have been justified, you receive Christ's righteousness. But not only that, you are called to stand as a just and righteous man and woman of God. You are not only sanctified, you are not only made holy, set apart. You were bought out of the slave market and now you belong to God. But not only that, you are called to stand in holiness. You are called to walk as a saint with all those in every place call upon the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, both their Lord and ours. Called to be holy, sanctifying Christ Jesus, but also called to be holy. Now, why I can dare to say that you are not only righteous but also holy. First Corinthians six twenty, for you were bought with a price. So glorify God in your body. So Paul does not again beat around the bush. He's specific. He says, look, because you are called to be a saint, called to be holy. Your sanctification—that is a positional, a spiritual aspect should be manifested in how you deal with your body. Essentially, the way to measure, to, to testify your holiness is how you deal with your body. First Peter 1.19, easy, easy to read version says, you are brought, bought with the precious blood of Christ's death. He was a pure and perfect sacrificial lamb. We were redeemed. We were bought it out of the... Slave market. We were together, mingled together, mixed, dispersed with all the other slaves. But God paid the price and bought us out of that slave market. Now that we are redeemed, we are supposed to be consecrated for a different use that everybody else is doing. But, Pastor, everybody in the world is doing, but not you. Because you are holy. You are not Ordinary and common, like everybody else. You are called to be holy. Are guys with me? But not only because you were redeemed, but also because you have a holy nature. You have the, the very divine nature. Yes, it's not wrong to say that His blood flowed through our veins because it was inserted, it was embedded within our new nature. His very holy nature. John chapter 1 13, you were born. Not of blood, not of the will of the flesh, not of the will of man, but you were born out of the will of God. And if this is true, it means that the same words that the angel spoke to Mary about Jesus in her womb fits to us. If you guys remember in Luke chapter 1, the angel spoke to Mary, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called holy. You are called to be holy because you were born out of God, like a son, like a daughter of God. So sons and daughters of God that somehow are still in the world looking for satisfaction and meaning is because they they forget to come to the living water. They are trying to feed themselves with seawater that you know you're going to end up killing yourself if you're just drinking. Water that never quenches your thirst, you're going to die. Die when there's a banquet before you. So we don't need to make pressure and bring more legalism to our church. You just need to invite them to the worship night. just need to invite them to drink from the waters that actually satisfy. Jesus said in John chapter 8 that he was the one that could provide the living waters. If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. I have satisfaction that the world, that a promiscuous, that a immoral life can never satisfy you. Which, which kind of water does Jesus provide? The one that he promised to the Samaritan woman, John chapter 4. The water that I give will never, if you drink it, you'll never be thirsty again. The water I will give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. So let me, let me insist here. I'm not uh, as as we jump into the the problem itself of sin. My goal is first to remind you: you are righteous. Call to stand and to walk in righteousness. Let me repeat this: you are holy. Call to standing holiness. Call to experience holiness. And, and once you, you are free from the bondage and the cycle and the, the habitual sin in your life, I'm telling you, you're going to be free to enjoy the presence of God every time we gather together. You're not going to be numb and lukewarm every time. And we're encouraging you to lift it up your hands because you feel condemned. Even though you're righteous, you, uh, even though you know positionally that you're righteous, the sensation. The feeling, the sentiments, is, it's that you are unrighteous. Even though you are holy, you are set apart, you are different than everybody else, you feel just tarnished and stained and, 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 and just something wrong. It seems like you are everybody else, lost in the multitude, but you are not. So let me, let me be very precise here. I know that you don't struggle with all kinds of sin. The Bible testifies that in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1, saying, Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great cloud of witness, let us also lay aside every weight and sin, sin which clings so closely, let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. You were not called to drag yourself. You're not called just to walk. Not called only to survive. We're called to run. To run with endurance. With stamina. With purpose. But there is some specific scenes. And we have to be honest. It's not all the scenes. That cling so closely. That tempts you more than everything else. And I have to point out that because of whatever reason. Post-COVID. Depression. Loneliness. Or simply because of lack of discipline. You, a lot of people open themselves for sexual immorality, pornography, compulsive masturbation. And now they are having this uh, uh, almost like this numb and this zombie-like relationship with God. You are alive, but you are dead. You are lukewarm. You don't feel anything. I want to help you with the problem of sin. And the way to deal with that is understanding this the cycle of sin. Because once you have a revelation, you can break out of the cycle. You can be free. You don't need to come to the church every other week with this feeling of condemnation. But you come actually to enjoy the congregation of the saints. That's how God calls us. The congregation of the holy ones. Now, speaking about sexual sin, I'm not minimizing the other sins. Like lies, cheating, corruption, slandering, rage, hatred, resentment. All these sins are very bad. But I have to... I have to say what the apostle Paul says. Like, he he plays sexual immorality in a different category. Look what he says in 1 Corinthians 6:18. Flee from sexual immorality. Every other sin a person commits is outside the body. But the sexual immoral person sins against his own body. If someone is hurting constantly his own body, eventually you're gonna even die. It's not me saying this, science says this, with any kind of disease, addictions. So I'm going to categorize sexual immorality as a sin against the body as much as any other substance abuse. Because you are hurting your own body. Are you guys following what I'm trying to say? And the consequence is death is definitely even uh, death. So we don't want that. We don't want you to suffer in your body. We don't want you to leave a condemned, accused, numb, cold relationship with God. And more than that, like we have to understand that because let let me speak a little bit about pornography. So pornography is this horrible lie. One day I heard this, it's very strong, so pardon my words, but that's the I I have to agree that pornography rapes your mind. That's the phrase I heard. Because it, it, it creates an image. Related to the sexual uh, physiological uh, feelings in your body, all the rush of hormones, rush of uh, uh, bloodstream, and you associated unconsciously the, the sexual images to that feeling, that rush, that uh, um, heartbeat, heart uh, high frequency heartbeat. A- and, and then, You as a married man, you as a married woman, come to your marriage, to the intimacy with your spouse, and you don't have that same rush. And now the beauty, now the dignity, now the holiness of your intimacy with your spouse is lost because your mind was raped by wrong images. Images that usually, usually all the time, is only a pretending, just a... Uh, give me the word. Just, it's just fantasy. It's just fake. It's just lies. It's many times it's simulated by drugs, if not by demons. Demons that make that whole scene and wants to create that image. Okay, I have time. I don't want to mystify the thing. But maybe you don't know that. The demons, they lost their right to feel what you feel in your body. This happened in Genesis chapter 8. God restricts them from all feelings regarding your, uh, the things they feel in your body, whatever you eat, taste, uh, uh, the sexual feeling, uh, the sense, the sensations uh, in your nerves. The demons don't have that. So all demonic religion that take people and demon possess people, they want to experience again that, again those feelings. So that's why in most of these demonic led religions they make their um, uh, followers, once they are demon-possessed, to smoke, to practice sexual immorality, because they want to feel that again. So I dare to say that most of this pornography world out there, it is totally demon-led, le- demon-managed. And you don't want to be part of that. Proverbs chapter 7, verse 27, the wise, speaking about the ways of the adulterous woman, says that her house is a highway to the grave. Sexual immorality ends up to the chambers of death. I don't want that. I don't need that. And speaking about this, I'm not against sex. On the contrary, God is the creator of sex. The first commandment in Genesis chapter 1 for man and woman was to fill the earth. To be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. How do you think God will fulfill this commandment? Asking you to lay eggs? No. Is having sex, making sex. So God is the creator. Probably he left when he created sex. Because he said, these are going to, like, they're really going to like this. Praise Jesus because he created sex. It's amazing. But sex is, is an exercise. It's a physical exercise that requires energy. But if you uh, detour your energy toward immorality, pornography, compulsion, masturbation, you're not going to have a stamina and energy that should be channeled in the holy matrimony, in the holy practice of love. So, honestly, you don't need any kind of stimulants. Just give yourself two weeks of break, my friend. You're going to love your wife like never before. Seriously. Like, uh, celibacy is supposed to be one of uh, sexual arousement instruments given by God. That's why Paul instructs, for example, in 1 Corinthians that if there is mutual agreement, the couple could separate for a time of prayer. But come back together soon so the devil will not find any space of temptation. What he encourages, you guys can give a break in prayer, so whenever guys come back, God already encourages you, gives you creativity, and also inspiration for your sexual life. I have to say that sexual sin is different than any other sin. And it is true. All sins are not equal; they might affect our sense of righteousness and holiness, and this might be uh, common to everybody. But the consequences of sins are different. I dare to say that people that fell in sexual immorality and keep a sexual immoral lifestyle, their lives always ended up in misery. I know people that. Couples that struggles with respect, with their words, but they can't endure. They can't find a way out. But very, very few couples that face infidelity through sexual immorality can actually survive. Okay, pastor, how can we break the cycle? Number one, all sin starts with temptation. Now, temptation itself is not a sin. Temptation is just that smell. It's just your instincts being aroused, being attracted to something that instinctively God placed within you. So temptation is not a problem because even Jesus was tempted. Hebrews chapter 4, 15. For do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weakness, but one who in every respect in all matters has been tempted. As we are. Say, thank you, Jesus. So he knows your temptation. Being tempted is not a problem. I I need to say that because some people say, I'm already tempted. So let me just dive into the mud. You are dumb. Because temptation is just a temptation. It just came through the doors of your instincts. The problem is when the first instinctive look becomes an intentional look. The problem is that when you allow the instinctive look become a desire that eventually turns into an intention, into a plan. Jesus says in Matthew 5, 28, But I say to you that everyone who looks at a woman with lustful intent, say intent. So the problem is intention, is the plan, is the desire that crossed the line of just instinctive look into intention and decision, has already committed adultery with her in his heart. So. What are you supposed to do with temptation? You're supposed to run from it. You don't need to give explanations. You don't need to give excuses and and ask for apologies. You simply run out of it. You don't need to give any excuses. Just run out of it. I was leading my small group. I was 17. A young girl came to the life group earlier. She had an intention to sing with me. I felt a spirit. I didn't try to explain. I didn't ask for excuse me and sorries. I just said, it's better you leave my house right now. On that day, I lost a soul. I didn't have the chance to evangelize her. But your pastor had his soul saved. And that's why I'm standing here. There are moments that you don't need to explain medicine. You just run out of it. You just, need, you just don't, don't try to uh, uh, explain to Potiphar's wife. You just r- flee from her. You just get away from it. Temptation, you don't resist. You simply run away. So why are you going to be around the danger when your life is at stake, your marriage is at stake? Just run out of it. Look, create fences of protection. Give access to your spouse to every access in your phone. Just create ways to flee from it. Just create ways out, doors that in case of emergency you know how to run from it. Our guys follow what I'm saying. So ask your discipler about this accountability, this transparency. Just create an environment that you can be protected. The problem is when you trust in the flesh. Because once you trust in the flesh, which is the second point, you're going to fall. I'm saying this because people say, no, 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 Pastor. Everybody can have a hard time with this matter, but not me. Oh, Pastor, I can't deal with that. Yeah? So welcome to your fall. Welcome to your ruin. Proverbs chapter 16. Let us know that the pride goes before destruction. And the haughty spirit before a fall. So if you want to really convince yourself that you can resist that, I'm telling you, the next step is your fall. The next step is that you're going to end up falling and failing again. Making the same mistake. Watching again. Committing the same immorality. James 4, 6, the Apostle says, he gives more grace. Therefore, it says, God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. I always like to read this verse and say, look, we can sing the song and the demons can tremble and leave. You can, you know, maybe uh, change the circumstances in your life. But when God opposes you, my friend, who can resist him? So just be humble. Say, God, I, I, I can't. I'm weak. I, I need your grace now. And when you are humble enough to recognize that you can't, you receive more grace. The strong walks by himself and falls, but the weak is scared by God's grace, and therefore he can never fall. Someone said that the best place to be to never fall is to be in your knees. Because there you always receive grace to endure. Romans 13 verse 14 says, But put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh. Don't make provision for the flesh. There are people trying to overcome the flesh with the flesh. You're going to end up falling into sin again. You only overcome the works of the flesh being filled with the fruits of the Spirit. That's how we overcome the flesh. Surrounding yourself with the life of the church. Making sure that you are a religious, if you want to say, attendee of your life group. Rain or sun. Earthquakes or hurricanes. I'll be my life group this semester. Because I need grace. I don't have the luxury to play around my scene anymore. I want I wanna my life change. I need grace. And let me say something. Because people are going to say, Pastor, but, you know, we are under the grace now. And, and that's, that's why I don't worry anymore. That's right. You don't need to be conscious about sin all the time. But, look, if you are practicing a, a, a lifestyle in sin, you're going to have consequences. I'm not saying you're going to lose your salvation. I'm not going to say you're going to be cursed. In other words, you're going to receive a hundredfold consequence. But there are consequences. Look what it says. For the wrongdoer, Colossians 3.25, will be paid back for the wrong he has done. And there is no partiality. I oh, know, Pastor, I like when you preach grace. I was enjoying it so much. Yeah, but the, the apostle of grace that taught us grace wrote this verse for us. That when you put your hands on the fire, you're going to burn. Praise God for that because he wants you alive. Imagine if you never feel in the heart when you put your hand on the fire. You're going to be killed, dead. Are you guys with me? So the consequence of our sins, it's actually another expression of grace. It's God's love to us, to alert us, to warn us that we might hurt ourselves. But again, I don't want to beat around the bush. I want to be straightforward like Paul said, First Thessalonians chapter 4, 3. For this is the will of God. Your sanctification. That you abstain from sexual immorality. And that each one of you, verse 4, know how to control his own body in holiness and honor. Let me me repeat this. God called you to be righteous, to stand in righteousness. God called you to be holy, to stand in holiness. You are meant to have a heavenly dignity honor so stop with this dating that is making you always fall into sexual immorality couples that are sleeping to each other and they are children of God you as a son of God offending another daughter of God do you think this is going to be just like take it for granted the Bible keeps saying not in the passion of lust like the Gentiles who do not know God that no one transgress and wrong this brother in this matter, mainly inside the house of God. So, husbands, careful what you speak to your wife. She is a daughter of God. Wives, be careful when you offend the masculinity of your husband because he's a son of God. So, no one inside the house should transgress and offend a brother, a sister on this matter. Because the Lord is an avenger in all these things. As we told you beforehand and solemnly warn you. Again, who can defend you when God stands against you? When you hurt a sister, when you defraud her heart, when you, in your depravity touches the sister's body improperly, who to defend you against God? For God has not called us for impurity, verse 7, but in holiness. Therefore, whoever disregards this, disregards not man, but God who gives his Holy Spirit to you. All right, pastor. So what I'm going to do now, because uh, I'm failing this. I, I'm, you know, bringing some... Side effects, consequences of post-COVID time. Loneliness. So much time spending the internet. Okay, how to break the cycle of sin. Is understanding the cycle, but never fall into guilt and in the law. That's number three. You never fall into guilt and in the law. Guilt is the inevitable feeling over those who are born again. If you fail and fail... You will feel guilty, but the feeling of guilt is useless, and the only way out of the cycle is not standing and lingering and spending time in that mud of self-pity, because this is just another facade of self-righteousness. It won't fix the problem. What you have to do is what Apostle John tells us to do in 1 John chapter 1, verse 9. If you fail, you confess your sins, 1 John 1, 9. Because He's faithful and righteous to forgive us our sins. And to clean us from all unrighteousness. All feeling, all sensation, all perception. Your wrong perception of unrighteousness. Because you are righteous. You are not meant to be there in the the mud of guilt and condemnation. And let me say something. If you are there for long, it's because you still have the wrong mentality of the law. 1 Corinthians 15, 56. The sting of death is sin. And the power of sin is the law. The power of sin that auto-feed the cycle is the condemnation of the law. If you're condemning yourself as a way to balance the scale. If you are still doing the the wrong oath of infallibility. I'm not going to fall in this ever again, God. I promise you. You're going to fall again. Don't do that. Just come humble before God. Verse 57. But thanks to be God who gives us the victory through our Lord. Jesus Christ. So don't fall into the law mentality of self-condemnation. But through Jesus Christ find your way out from condemnation. Remind that I am righteous. I am holy. I'm not meant to be connected with these ordinary common things of sin anymore. I'm out of this world. I'm going to heaven. I came from heaven. I'm redeemed. I'm loved. I, I am saved and I have the nature of God within me. God I'm sorry I failed, but God, I'm the righteousness of God. I am called for greater things, God. I'm sorry because I I broke my dignity, but here I am again, back into the throne of grace and mercy. That's how I do every time I fail. If there is condemnation, I don't try to feed that as a way to balance my scale, to be good with God and somehow deserve His goodness. No, 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 no. Romans chapter 2, verse 4. The goodness of God is my way out. The more conscious I am of His grace and goodness, more transformed, repentant I am. Don't you know that the riches of His kindness and forbearance and patience was given to you. His kindness was given to you meant to lead you out of The cycle of sin leads you to genuine transformation. So, temptation. Fall. You don't need to get yourself into condemnation and guilt. Just accept the redemption and your identity back.